Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in, thank you so much for joining me today for this next episode of Such Sweet Thunder Meditation Program. And today I'll be offering a Dharma talk on the topic of insight. Uh, now this is a delicate topic to talk about because it leads one uh, to an experience which is beyond words. So how does one talk about an experience beyond words? Uh, so this is the, the challenge of uh, all of the teachers of uh, past and present, all of the contemplative teachers, we've all uh, faced at some point this challenge of how do we talk about awakening experiences or enlightenment or how do we talk about insight practices without sounding cliche or, or without sounding uh, like we're you know, expounding poetry. But I'll give it a try. <laughs> uh, but before uh, we jump into that, I have a couple of announcements. I am offering an online meditation retreat, and this is the Such Sweet Thunder practice uh, in retreat format. Uh, it starts October 17th, and it runs into November 14th. That's uh, five weeks and uh, we will be meeting every Saturday and Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific Coast for 90 minutes. Each session will be 90 minutes. Uh, the Saturday session will be mostly guided meditations and a little bit of talking, Q&A. And the Wednesday session will be dedicated to study. Also, there'll be uh, opportunities for question and answer. And of course, there will be some meditation on Wednesdays as well. So meeting every Saturday and Wednesday evenings. Now, if you're hesitant about signing up for the retreat because you might miss one or two or three sessions, that's fine, don't worry, I've covered that base. Uh, each session will be recorded and they will be available only to the retreat participants. I won't be making these available uh, for uh, everyone on YouTube and so forth like I do most of my offerings. Uh, so to try to keep the container of the retreat exclusive, uh, the recordings will be made available only to the retreat participants. Now, if you've enjoyed uh, the past several weeks' offerings here on Facebook Live, the Such Sweet Thunder retreat will be uh, focused on these practices uh, that I've uh, uh, given here on Facebook Live. And we'll, we'll, we will round out the retreat with a week of loving-kindness practice. And generally, that's how I offer all, most of my retreats. I think all of the retreats that I've offered, we've closed uh, with uh, an exploration of loving-kindness. Uh, so this one will be no different in that way. So for more details on that, you can visit my website or send me a message through Messenger or you can email me through the website if you have any questions about the retreat or if you'd like to sign up uh, and I'm happy to get you enrolled into that. Now in addition to the retreat, I'm also currently accepting applications for one-on-one -on -one, uh, studies. 
So if you'd like to study with me one-on-one -on -one, uh, through Zoom or through Skype, uh, the one-on-one -on -one sessions are a great way to get this personalized touch. It allows me as the teacher to really get to know the student and their, uh, the subtleties of their practice. And in that knowing, I as the teacher can create a practice uh, that really allows that student to flourish. I can create a practice uh, that uh, can address any imbalances that might be arising uh, in and through the meditation. Because we all bring our own individual uh, stuff with us to a meditation practice. And so the one-on-one -on -one, uh, avenue is a great way for me to uh, get to know that and, and to uh, address the meditation accordingly. Okay, I think that's all of the announcements uh, that I need to make. So, insight meditation. And this is done the way I offer this, and I've seen teachers do it in different ways. Uh, but the way I offer this and the way it was taught to me by my teacher is we come into the present moment as deeply as possible. We rest in the experience of the breath. We then do what I call body scanning, what's known as body scanning, I can't <laughs> copyright that phrase. Uh, body scanning, going deeply into the sensations of the body and resting. The resting is quite important for insight practice. Then we expand awareness to include the sounds of the present moment. If you'd like, you can open your eyes too and include the visual field that adds this extra dimension which serves as a stable foundation uh, for the very delicate practice of insight. So holding and resting in the breath, the body, the sounds and silence of the aural field the entire visual field like that. Now, if you wish, you can also add any feelings that might be present. So the more we rest into the present moment or the more experiences we rest with, the more stability we have for the insight practice. Insight practice can be seen as a combination of resting in the present moment and looking at the mind or looking at awareness. When I say mind in this insight talk or whenever I'm teaching insight, uh, it's synonymous with awareness. Mind and awareness, same thing in this practice. So we rest in the present moment experience. And then we pose what's known as an insight question. These questions come in very, uh, well, in many different forms. They're numerous. There's a plethora, I like that word, of insight questions. And that is so because there's many different angles of insight and some questions resonate with some people and 
Some of the other questions resonate with other people. And generally, when I work with people one-on-one, -on -one, we rotate a few weeks on each insight question, or it could be a few months. It really depends on how that question resonates. A few of the examples of insight pointer questions, who experiences this? Or who am I? Or where is awareness? Or where is mind? My current favorite, what is the relationship between awareness and experience? And so we pose this question, and the question is there. So we have the breath, the body, the sounds, the silence, the visual field if your eyes are open, and then who experiences this? We don't try to answer that question, but we allow the question to guide our awareness wherever it may want to go. Any answer that arises as a result of posing this pointer question is just another experience. Who experiences that answer? You turn and you look. And this is why the resting is so valuable in this practice. So if we have this strong, stable awareness of resting, or strong, stable, resting ground, we rest. Who experiences this? And then we look to see the experiencer itself. Something very interesting happens at that point we're looking and we see nothing. Whereas the Zen guys like to say, we see no thing. And so as we look and we see no thing, that's such an unfamiliar experience. Because the act of looking the act of seeing usually is dependent on an object being seen, right? The act of hearing is usually dependent on a sound being heard. And this is what gives us that subject-object duality, that illusion. In this practice, who's experiencing this? We look, we see nothing. It's very unfamiliar. It feels very uh, unusual. It can actually elicit an experience of fear or of ungroundedness. If you feel ungroundedness, if you feel fear in this practice, that's a good sign. You might feel like you're doing it wrong, but it, it's actually generally a sign that you're 
doing it right. So you're looking in a way that we've, we're not used to. Most people have never looked in this way before. And so we rest in awareness and we look. And each time a thought arises, that's just another experience. Each time a sensation arises in the body, in the mind, in the heart, that's just another experience. The mind goes off into distraction, thinking about lunch later today, or who we have to call, or the grocery list. That's all experience. Come back to the question, who is having this experience? And rest. And so this is effective because it's pointing at how often we identify with our experiences and we forget the one who's having the experience. We're just off into the experience of the grocery list or we're off into uh, the next thought, the next distraction. We lose the awareness in which those distractions arise. Much in the same way when we're listening to the sounds of the present moment, we actually lose the backdrop of silent space. Silence is always there in the aural field. The aural field is a combination of silence and sound. But generally, we're so hypnotized by the sounds that we lose the backdrop of silent space. And you can actually experience this visually as well. If you look around the room right now, you're in, you might see a computer in front of you, a phone. Uh, in my visual field, there's a couple of Buddhas, a singing bowl, uh, there's a bed, a refrigerator, some furniture. But there's also this empty space in the visual field. In fact, it's the emptiness that gives value to the room. If there wasn't emptiness, there, you wouldn't be able to put anything in the room. <laughs> so we often overlook this quality of emptiness in the visual field, the emptiness which exists between yourself and the objects, between the objects themselves. And so it's the same with all experience. All experience has a backdrop of awareness. We are that awareness. And so the more we pose this question, who is having this experience? Each answer that arises, each experience that arises is just another experience. And that we, we start to recognize that that feeling of being a separate, fixed, permanent I in here 
Usually it's in the chest, sometimes behind the eyes. Sometimes it, you feel it throughout your whole body. We recognize that feeling of being an eye is just another feeling. It's just another experience. Just like the furniture in the room, just like the sounds, just like the thoughts of the grocery list. That feeling of being an eye that I've attached my name to, this eye that says that I am Chris, that I have memories of being born in New York, that I have memories of uh, meditation retreats, that I have memories of teaching, that I have memories of studying. Th those are all stories. Those are all experience. This fixed, permanent feeling of being a, a separate entity, that's just an experience. It's no greater than and no lesser than every other experience. And so we keep the search until the search winds down. And we recognize that it's all experience. And this insight allows us to re-establish our connection with that, to re-establish our connection with experience arising. And that's all life is. All life is is just this constant stream of ever-change. And we are in that stream. We too are in the stream of ever change. There's no separate entity looking and observing this ever changing stream. That's an illusion. Now that illusion probably was necessary for the human species to survive, which is why it will be so challenging to untie. For hundreds of thousands of years, we've depended on this experience of being a separate entity for our defense, for our survival. We don't need that any longer. This I-other illusion is a part of an outdated worldview. Who is having this experience? Now when the Buddha gave his teachings on this, he knew that this was very <laughs> radical, a radically different way of experiencing life. He said, this way of experiencing life goes against the stream. He knew that this will go against the stream of our habitual way of experiencing the world and experiencing our relationship with ourselves and with others. Because 
according to this insight, there is no self and other. There's just experience. There's just this ever-changing flow of experience. And so when we're creeping up on this insight, we, we might experience ourself as watching or observing this ever-changing flow. There's great relief in that. We become unattached to our sufferings. We become unattached to our cravings, our desires, our emotional states. That's beautiful. Then we jump into the river ourselves. We recognize that our own body is ever-changing. Our own mind is ever-changing. Our heart is also ever-changing. This is why this challenge is so, uh, this practice is so challenging. It's so against the stream. You can't really underestimate the psychological investment, the emotional investment, the cultural investment in this I-other worldview. Our whole education system is based on it, our whole economic system is based on it, our whole social experience is based on this illusion. We don't need to discard it I'm not advocating going to the mountain and living as a hermit, nor am I advocating, you know, trying to break down the social norms. What I'm suggesting, and I think what the Buddha was suggesting, and many other contemplative teachers who came after the Buddha and some before the Buddha, were suggesting that we see through that illusion recognize it as illusion because then we don't take it so seriously it becomes a play a dance life becomes a creative experience rather than this constant attachment to craving this and pushing away that So once we recognize that that gives rise to suffering, and that is an illusion, we can rest, we come back, we can see the play of life, the creative force of life. Who experiences all of this? And so, as we let go into this river of ever-change, we give up this 
illusion of being a, firm, a permanent, fixed, singled out, separate entity, this I, pushing or grasping against a world of other. We give that up. And in that letting go, we can then allow whatever we experience who and what we are. We become completely and compassionately responsive to exactly what arises in the present moment. We allow the present moment to define us. As we're no longer attached to our name, our occupation, we no longer seek refuge in our memories, in our experiences. We too become the creative force of the universe. The Buddha was quoted as saying, this comes from the Dhammapada, one of the first uh, Buddhist writings, just as a farmer irrigates a field, just as an aerosmith fashions an arrow, and just as a carpenter shapes a piece of wood, so the sage, the wise person, tames herself. And so here the Buddha is talking about this self, this experience of I. He, he never said there wasn't an I. That's a misconception among many Westerners, that the Buddha said that there's no I. There is an I, clearly there is an I. I'm sitting here talking and you're sitting there hopefully listening. There is this experience of I. It's just radically different than the experience of this solid, fixed, permanent eye. It's this eye that's ever-changing, that's ever-growing, that's ever-evolving. So much benefit in that insight because now we're not stuck in being the same person we were yesterday. And our future isn't stuck into being whatever we can only imagine. When we let our imagination of the future go and our recollection of the past go, what we can become is beyond imagination. What we imagine is limited by what we've experienced. So if we continue to imagine a future and try to strive for that future, we're actually going, we're creating a devil's circle. We're going towards a future that's predicated on our past experiences. And around and around we go. 
Buddha called that samsara, the suffering of repetitive existence. When we recognize that everything is experienced, including this thing we call I, we can let all of that go. It puts us in direct and immediate experience with the present moment. So as a way of ending, I'll kind of walk us through a brief meditation, insight meditation. Now this is a bit different than the insight meditations I've been offering. This is something one can do in everyday experience. If you're walking in a park, I don't recommend doing this driving <laughs> unless you've done it in a, in a in a stationary position. You can do it in a meditation if you wish. Uh, yeah, this can be done in five or ten minutes sitting in a backyard somewhere. It can be done while you're listening to a Dharma talk. So, as you're looking and listening at me, or simply listening to me, that's fine. Look around the room that you're in right now. And you might see, well, if you're outside, maybe you see some clouds. There might be the trees. You might see some sunshine. And you obviously, you know that you're not those clouds, right? You know you're not the trees because you can see the clouds. You can see the trees, you can see the sun, so you know that you're not those things. You're the observer, experiencer of those things. And then if you are inside, noticing the furniture, maybe your cat or dog, your television, you might be noticing the computer, you might have some books on a bookshelf, bottle of water. You know that you're not those items, right? Because you can see those items and you can touch those items. So you know you're not those items. It's pretty, pretty standard straight ahead awareness. Noticing the clothing on your body shirts, pants, the wearing gloves or a hat. Notice the sensations there. And you notice that you're not the clothing on your body. You can feel that, right? You can know the texture of the clothing. You can manipulate it somehow. And so you know you're not the, the clothing. That's not who you are. You might also notice the internal sensations of the body, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. Perhaps a muscle tightness in the shoulders or the abdomen. Perhaps noticing the relaxation of the hands against the body, 
the legs against the ground or the chair. And you know that you're not those experiences, you're not those sensations, because you can know them. You can experience them, you can feel them. And so those are just more objects. They're not that much different than the clouds, than the sunshine or the trees. They're not that much different than the furniture in the room. They're simply objects within your experience. And so come a little bit closer with that to the thoughts that might be arising in your mind. You can know your thoughts, you can feel your thoughts. You can actually see your thoughts. Very much in the same way you can know the clouds and you can see the clouds. You can experience your thoughts the same way you can experience the clouds and the trees, the furniture, simply objects of experience. You can come even closer than that. You can notice your feelings and emotions. You might have a pleasant feeling or a confused feeling. You might feel bored or blissful, entertained. Regardless of the quality of feeling or emotion, you can know those feelings. You can know those emotions very much in the same way as you can notice the clouds in the sky. You can notice and experience your feelings the same way you can experience the trees, the grass, the furniture in the room. And as you continue with this type of inquiry, who is having this inquiry? In fact, is there anything that arises that can't be experienced? Much in the same way you experience the clouds in the sky. Each thought that arises, just another experience. Each sensation, just another experience. Who is having these experiences?
So that was just a brief pointer into insight. Now I did uh, two previous episodes where I guided a very thoroughly insight meditation practice in a very traditional way. Uh, so you might want to go and visit those as well. Uh, but this, this one, as I mentioned, can be done in five or ten minutes if you're just waiting uh, for a friend or waiting for an appointment, waiting for the next Dharma talk. Hmm. So when we continue with this type of insight practice, we recognize that all is experience. And all experience, which is everything, is subject to birth, has a lifespan, and a death. Everything that arises passes including our feelings, including our emotions. And this is one of the great benefits of this type of insight. It's when we recognize that everything, everything, is in this field of ever-change, we relinquish the need to be attached. We give up the futile effort of grasping and clinging, nor do we really need to push any experience away, because we know that any pain, any discomfort, any struggle will eventually pass. That passing gives rise to comfort, gives rise to pleasure. And that brings me to the next topic, which I will be starting, what day is today? Monday, it's Sunday in the West Coast of America, or in America, or in North America, South America, I believe it's Sunday there. It's Monday morning here in Asia. Uh, and so on Friday morning here in Asia, right, Thursday in America, I will be starting my next offering, which will be uh, on the meditations on impermanence. Uh, and so on Friday morning or Thursday evening, I will be offering a Dharma talk where I uh, talk about the practices of impermanence, the benefits of impermanence, uh, and then uh, we'll do about a month of meditations where we practice experiencing impermanence in different ways. Uh, great, great benefit in, in these practices of impermanence. Uh, and again, we recognize that we too are just as impermanent as our emotions, our feelings, our attachments, our experiences, because we're all experienced. We're all impermanent. So I think that's all I want to say today. 
Have a great week. Stay safe, stay clean, stay healthy. Uh, keep that immune system up and strong if you can. Uh, practice social distancing. Do wear your masks. Sanitize, wash your hands. And I will see you all on Thursday evening or Friday morning. Have a great week. Thank you.